Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi there and welcome to the Stop Club Podcast, coming to you from the top floor of my Wall Street HQ here in Dublin, Ireland. I'm James and with me this week is my Wall Street co-founder and chief investor Emmett Savage and our head analyst Rory Caron. In this, our last episode of 2019, we're talking about the biggest news story for the past year, the company that each of us used most in our personal lives in 2019 and our big predictions for 2020. So guys, the last podcast of 2019... And like the last few podcasts, I'm going to start off with a, a statistic for you to, to guess. So according to Spotify, the most streamed artist of 2019 was Post Malone, a favourite of yours, Emmett, I know. <laughs> I don't even know who Post Malone is. How many How many times was he streamed around the globe? Mm, uh, 200 million. No, hold on. Let me go with that again. Two billion. Two billion, Rory? Yeah, it's going to be in the billion mark, isn't it? I, it's... When you get into these kind of numbers, it doesn't really make any sense. You're going like, sounds like a man is prepared to lose. Yeah, <laughs> I like I was so bad two weeks ago. I got it so wrong. Well, go on then. Four billion. Six point five billion. Yes, streams. so I win. <laughs> what is uh, Post Malone? Is is a guy? I presume. Yeah. No. Right. It's a, he, so it was his name was Malone, and he died. <laughs> so this, is, this is his. Uh, so Pre Malone was way better. Pre Malone was so much better. <laughs> Right, okay. I love uh, that this is the only podcast we're allowed to drink for. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on rapidly then. Um, so this podcast isn't going to go as the usual ones do. Instead, we're going to kind of take a look back at the past year uh, and then a look forward into the year and I suppose the decade ahead as we're leaving the 2010s. Is that the term? The 10s? Mm. What term are we going with? Tensies. The tensies. Yeah. Um So <laughs> the first thing I asked you guys to have a look at was what was the most impactful company or news story from the past year? So in 2019, which company or which kind of ongoing news story was the most impactful for you? Rory, I can see you itching to talk in there, so we'll come to you first. There's only one answer, isn't there? Yeah. Like, there can't be another, well, maybe there can be, but uh, it has to be WeWork. WeWork. Just like, it just has to be. I know listeners must be absolutely sick of us talking about it at this stage, but like, if you're asking for the most impactful news story from the last year, like, I know we're going to make predictions later on, but I think this will not only prove to be the most impactful story this year, this could be the most impactful news story in business for a decade. Yeah, and dig into that a little bit more. So like 2019 at the start, I remember like in March and April, everyone was talking about how 2019 is the year of the IPOs. Uh, So was it the fact that this was the big kind of, this is where the bubble burst? Well, it's so, um, I don't know whether it was when the bubble burst, but it's... Was it wasn't it was more about than just one company being overvalued and blowing their IPO. It was a very important to me stress test of the entire system of public stock ownership. Okay. Because what we'd had was a bunch of these businesses. So we for years have had private valuations driving up businesses, like basically pumping money into the likes of Uber and Lyft and Slack and we work where you had these companies that, you know, 10 years ago, they would have IPO'd when they were kind of valued at a billion dollars. Yeah. 
And you had that term unicorns being brought out saying, you know, it's so rare that a company could ever privately become worth more than a billion dollars. So everybody wanted to be a unicorn then. Yeah, but then suddenly you're looking at like companies that aren't just valued over a billion. They're like, they're talking about being valued at over like 120 billion in Uber's mm-hmm. case. Like just insane money yeah. that no one can possibly kind of think of. And the re- like one of the reasons we have public share ownership is because at some point people have to decide, actually, is this company worth that? It can't just be like a guy like Massasan sitting in a room with um, Adam Newman going, well, we make it worth this time. Like, you, know, <laughs> yeah. you really do need to have some scrutiny of what companies are worth and where their value is. And also, you, when you have, especially when you have a massive, so this idea of this vision fund, which was the biggest um, private investing fund in the world by like by 10, bigger mm. than all the others combined. Um, what you have is this like, centralization of control over essentially was an entire sector. You know, it was everyone wanted to be part of this vision fund and Massasan was just throwing money at companies, especially in kind of the ride hailing um, sector and the, this this whole kind of gig economy yeah. thing where you're basically commoditizing humans to, you know, how many, how much money can you get out of a human by basically strapping an app to them and making them <laughs> and making them do menial tasks. I know yeah. you're really laughing, but this is what their business yeah, model no, is. I know, yeah. And it's like, it's just a bit dark and a bit mean-spirited. Yeah. And the idea that it all started kind of collapsing, particularly around WeWork, was just a very joyous occasion for a lot of us who yeah. were like, yeah, you deserve that. Well, then I suppose the natural thing then is talk to me a bit about um, Adam Newman. <laughs> What's? What's to talk about? <laughs> he, but like the thing is, I think there was this whole thing that had developed a kind of strange relationship between Wall Street and Silicon Valley, where Silicon Valley has its way of doing things, which is very kind of founder idea based, and you know, don't worry about the money just yet. We'll, you know, it's all about we're all about changing the world, and it was mm. almost like it had almost become like I haven't watched Silicon Valley, but I've been told many times that this was the whole premise of Silicon Valley. You know, this idea that you don't need a business model, you don't yeah. need to make money what you need is to inspire people to do things and you know go out there and elevate the world's consciousness and you know like adam newman wanted to be president of the world and end world hunger be the first person to live forever and yeah that's great on silicon silicon <laughs> silicon yeah. valley people believe all this stuff you know yeah. or not believe it but they buy into it and so if you have this six foot five long haired kind of guy who doesn't wear shoes walking into an investors meeting yeah. saying this isn't a rental workspace company. This is a company that's going to change the way we all, you know, do everything, not just yeah. work. We're, we're going to have we live and we school and we grow. <laughs> and people buy into that and they, yeah. and, and they fund these things like crazy. And then it gets to Wall Street and they go, well, some of them do. Like, was it JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs both saying this thing was going to get out at like between 60 and yeah. 90 billion? Hmm. Like they're the smartest guys in the room where they're yeah. supposed to be. Yeah. And then the like actual investors had one look and went, you must be joking. Absolutely. This it was is. the first uh, uh, prospectus that I've read in years and years where I actually said, I can't wait for this to list because I'm going to short it immediately. Sure, we uh, talked about it. We, we were talking uh, yeah, we about it. Like we every did. now and again, we don't, I know we don't short yeah. stocks, but every now and again we do yeah. have a coffee and say, if you're going to short one company, yeah. what would you do? And it yeah. was WeWork for ages. Before Absolutely. we even saw the prospectus, yeah. we were like, yeah. WeWork can't yeah. be worth that. Yeah. There's no way it can be worth that money. And then seeing it was like, it was almost a kind of moment of sadness because we knew it wasn't going to get out <laughs> yeah, then. <that's> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. 
so yeah, that has to be the most impactful story yeah. there. I think it's going to definitely, like in, in 10, 20 years, the way people are talking about pets.com mm. still today, I think we mm. still will be talking about Couldn't agree more. There's a movie actually been made quite soon. I think it's the, the script has been written at the moment. I think it's the same guys, not Adam McKay, but some of the same guys behind the big short. Oh, nice. Which seems appropriate. Mm. Um, Emmett, what was the most impactful company or news story from the last year for you? Well, when Roy said there could only be one, I, I thought he was going to say the first ever image of a black hole was unveiled in April. And it's nothing to do with uh, companies. But that, to me, was like a landmark moment. Even though it was in context. a blurred photograph of like a donut. I just thought, wow, this really is it. But okay, so I get it. I'm with you, bringing it more to um, back down to earth and being... Sometimes you forget you're not a physicist, (laughs) don't you? (laughs) But uh, uh, I guess I'm going to go way back to January and and it was when uh, the US charged Huawei with fraud. Oh, yeah. And that that was pretty huge in my mind because the United States filed 23 charges against the Chinese telecom company Huawei and specifically its chief financial officer, Meng Wanzhou. Uh, and the charges included theft of technology, obstruction of justice, bank fraud, mm. anything that you can do wrong was heralded at yeah. Huawei by the United States. And the tentacles of the accusations were far-reaching. And even here in tiny Ireland, I know that there were companies who, when tendering to telecom giants want to be reassured that Huawei technology was not uh, deployed in their infrastructure because they didn't want... So, I mean, Huawei technology sat on both ends of the wire, as it were. So, you... It was inevitable that in the, from when a text or piece of data leaves your phone, be it a phone call or, or internet surfing, that it's working through a whole load of technology boxes and while we're in there somewhere. And it raised a question in all of our minds, is our data safe? The, of course, the US had taken a position and um, the US Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross said, I quote, for years, Chinese firms have broken our export laws and undermined sanctions, often using US financial systems to facilitate their illegal activities. This will end. And Huawei, as you can imagine, didn't take this lying down. And then when you, you bring it into the first person, you know, we've all observed Huawei devices, phones, mm. and they're pretty awesome. They're pretty like, cool, they yeah. are space age. And they some argue are a view of what the iPhone 12 will look like or the iPhone 13. You know, they, they, they really do their tech well. So that was quite an impactful news story for me at the time and I think we we tapped Ericsson soon after because you know it certainly didn't harm the Swedish telecom giant Uh, and the truth never fully landed it never will Huawei I think have done a very good job defending their name and their brand and their honour and all the rest but you have to wonder where does the truth lie and I remember reading must have been two years ago an article in Fortune magazine and I think they had a picture of what a bug actually looks like uh, uh, like a wiretap piece of technology in a base station and it was like this it was the size of a of a like one centimeter piece of hair yeah so how on earth <laughs> yeah like what are you going to do Fuck. so that to me was a really interesting story because uh i think it's gone quiet as sometimes big stories do uh i don't think by any means a whole lot of stuff has changed but uh we might just hear more about that yeah. so that that's the story i'd pick I have a funny anecdote about huawei <laughs> tell me A friend of mine was traveling through Vietnam uh, not too uh, long ago, uh, a couple of months ago, um, and she lost her Huawei phone. 
and it was it turned out it was in the hotel that she, she lost in the hotel that she was staying in uh, so she asked for them to uh, send it to her next location, which they agreed to do. So they parceled it all up and had it sent off. Her next location, though, was across the border in Laos. Oh. And Laos stopped the package at the border and said, no Huawei phones in our country. And really? sent it back to the hotel. And, that- <laughs> <laughs> and then, so my question to her was, yeah. if the government of Laos are so paranoid about this, why are you carrying it around in your pocket? <laughs> like, they won't even let it in the country. Wow. And you're giving, like, all your... You know, yeah, life secrets do it every yeah. single day, but yeah, I think she still loved it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I about a year and a half ago, I, 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 as you guys know, was a victim of a hack, and and when in fact it happens, it's very impactful. Yeah. You know, you, you, all your data has gone somewhere and you don't know where, and <laughs> uh, you can understand why paranoia reigns supreme when you think there might be someone watching and listening yeah. and keeping an eye on everything you've done. Absolutely. Um, so looking over the last year for myself, you know, there, there was quite a lot of big things. I think one of the, the biggest things a lot of people talked about was kind of the alternative meat revolution and, and beyond meat. But for me, what one of the, the biggest news stories and well, maybe news story is the wrong way to think of it, but it was just Disney's rise and rise over the years. So like when you when you think of Disney and I think we're often guilty of kind of forgetting about Disney because they're such a like they're nearly 100 years old. They're kind of one of those stocks that's always kind of sat there and grown slowly. But Disney stock at time of recording now is up up almost 30% year to date. Um, they've just crossed the $10 billion mark in, in their studios at the box office, the global box office, first um, ever company to do so. And like when you think about all the massive movies they had out this year, they um, re-releases of things like The Lion King and Aladdin. They had the Avengers Endgame, I think it was. Um, the new Frozen and their new Star Wars movie. So... That's like one massive segment of Disney. And then obviously Disney Plus as well, um, launched in November, signed up over 10 million people in just one day and they're expected to hit 20 million people by the end of this year. And, you know, like when you look at, you know, it's obviously becoming an increasingly crowded market, the the streaming kind of content streaming services. Apple was the other big company that came to, to market this year. And kind of when you compare the fortunes of both of them, Apple's kind of efforts have been so kind of roundly mocked. I think they only took nine shows when, when it launched. Happened certainly on this side of the Atlantic. We haven't heard too much about it, but, you know, all everyone has been talking about is Disney Plus and even their the brand new original content produced for it, The Mandalorian comes to mind and, and Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. <laughs> I, I think... Go I along Disney on Baby Yoda. The I Baby Yoda spin-offs are going to be huge. <laughs> I think, I think you do Disney. just have to sit back and and really admire Disney for, for the launch of Disney Plus and also for just continuing to, like, put out stuff like this. I think it's really, really impressive. That's uh, my mm. new investment thesis in Disney. Go long on Baby Yoda after your Planet Fitness one. <laughs> the Florida Man thesis. Yeah. The Florida Man of Fitness. Florida Man. So that was the kind of big news stories, big companies we, we spotted from last year. Next question I had for you guys was, what company from either inside the My Wall Street app or outside have you used most over the past year and why? So... Uh, Emmett, I'll come to you first here. What company have you used most in the past year? Well, the most truthful answer is the FANG. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix and Google. So yeah. that that's the very obvious answer. So if I can just deviate from the absolute truth. Go for it. Uh, I think the company that I have used most this year, and I suspect the two of you have quite a lot as well, is Slack. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> Sorry, I always forget about Slack. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely the most used. You know, it's the WhatsApp of business, if you like. It's yeah. this never-ending stream of gifts, conversations and <laughs> Gifts. It's a never-ending stream and of gifts. Every Friday, at yeah, five I know. Emoji. <laughs> Emojis and gifts, extraordinary. So I think Slack has to really get the gold prize of the company that owned most of my mind occupancy outside of Fang. And I don't really like it, by the way. Uh, but I understand the value and the utility it brings. I'm not talking about it as a stock. Yeah. I'm talking about it as a platform. I don't yeah. like it's UI. Uh, I don't like you know, the difficulty of marrying very, very important conversations with five people with uh, a gif about confetti. <laughs> you know, it's just... But that that aside, Slack is definitely the stock or the product um, inside our showroom that yeah. I have used most outside of the thing. Yeah, I always forget about Slack. Mm. Rory? It's just there, isn't it? It's yeah. just like, uh, yeah, always, this is it. always with you. It's always yeah. with you, yeah, it is. Uh so yeah, I'm actually going to go for an obvious one. I'm going to go for an obvious one for weird reasons. Uh, the one people who've been following along with the Daily Insights know that I've had a very love-hate relationship with Apple yeah. over the course of the last few months. Um, oh. Started at the start of the year when I got a new uh, Apple iPhone, which I hadn't I hadn't upgraded in in years. And I was, uh, I, I was very much kind of, a, and I bought a pair of AirPods, which I'd been very much against. Mm. Um, became for, one of those for, I became one of those people. Um, but there's a conclusion I've come to throughout the year, which is that Apple, the, the real innovation isn't in building products, it's in changing human behavior. And Apple are so good at that. Um, I remember when they announced facial recognition, and I think there was a kind of collective sigh from the community being like, oh God, we didn't ask for that. We wanted yeah. longer battery life or whatever it was. I don't know how my I would get on these days with facial recognition. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's like... I agree. Whenever it doesn't work, for whatever reason it doesn't work, whether there's like the wrong light or whatever, my mind just goes, ah, why won't you work? I can't type in my number anymore. Yeah. I can't even remember it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, then the AirPods, right? As I said before, I hate that there's no volume control. Siri drives me nuts. I hate that there's no, you can't uh, default her with Spotify as your music player. Mm. I think that's really petty and just annoying that they don't do that. But at the same time, I absolutely love them. And like, I, if yeah. I lost them tomorrow, I'd buy another pair right away. And another thing that I've noticed, this only occurred to me the other day, my use of Apple Pay has shot up through the roof recently. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason why is whenever I'm queuing up for something to buy something, I've got my AirPods in my um, ears and I've got my iPhone in my hand, usually texting someone. And then you get to the counter and you have to order or you have to ask them something. So you have to take your AirPod out of your ear and hold it in one hand mm -hmm. so you can hear her because there's no volume control. And then she asks you to pay and you've got one hand, your iPhone's in one hand and your AirPods in the other and you've only got two hands and Apple knows this so you can't go to your wallet <laughs> to get your card. So you just Apple pay yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. They're that geniuses. They are. And actually on that vein, Roy, I went through this year with a rule that I am only paying for everything with Apple Pay except by exception on those rare times where you have to use cash. And I, I went to America and to John Tyrrell's great uh I suppose, bemusement or frustration. I forgot my wallet, but I managed to get there and back with my it's, Apple Pay exclusively. Pretty good. It is pretty amazing. What was, Rory, you mentioned a while ago, there was an investment thesis you read about that was based just on Apple's AirPods. Yeah, and I actually can't, I can't I'm not going to name the name because I'm not entirely 100% sure if it was, but it was one kind of, one of the older big Wall Street newsletter stock picker guys 
who had a long thesis on Apple based on the fact that he kept losing one of his AirPods <laughs> and buying new pairs. So yeah. he, had, he, he said he'd bought like seven pairs in the space of yeah. a couple of months and just assumed this was going to happen to everyone. Yeah, and, yeah. That, <laughs> and that everyone was going to have seven times 200 just to yeah. throw away on, on AirPods. Yeah. But someone did actually put out a quite interesting thesis on AirPods, which was like, if you take the average cost of them, multiplied by the amount that they think they're going to sell in the next few years, multiply that by a 35% uh, net profit, multiply that by a multiple. AirPods by themselves will be worth something like $175 billion oh, market please. cap. Like, just because wow, they're going to sell insane. so many, which is like crazy yeah. for a product that didn't exist a few years ago. It isn't. I mean, Jamie Adams downstairs, our colleague, he bought the new version there recently, mm. the noise-cancelling ones, yeah. and he pointed out to me that they were more expensive than the first iPhone. Why? Uh, and I think he said 270 euro. I'm not sure. That's at least yeah. 300 bucks. Yeah. Um, and, but he said they were miraculously good. Yeah. He just said he like, he, when the, the active noise cancellation is on, he said it was just absolutely an incredible moment. Yeah. And look, there will be like, there'll be loads of companies coming out with new earbuds in the next couple of years. But yeah. like, Apple's just one of those things where people just buy it yeah. they don't think it. And it will work and it will be high quality and you pay the premium, but you know you're going to stick with it. Just when you said that, I just remembered a story from a few months ago that Microsoft already came out with their own kind of Buds oh, version. Yeah, <laughs> one of the features is that if you tap on the bud, if you're given a PowerPoint presentation, it'll move to the next slide. And I was like, <laughs> that's innovation. <laughs> that's innovation. Well, actually, m- my wife was at the Berkshire Hath- Hathaway AGM there in whatever it was, April or May. And um, as you know, probably know Berkshire have a very big stake or maybe perhaps a full ownership of Bose, the headphone yeah. giants. And she brought me home their answer to the AirPods. And mm. I was fortunate enough to already have the AirPods. And Bose, which is a brand I really like and whose sound products I've always loved and have a couple of their products at home, uh, it didn't hold a flame to the Apple AirPods. They were bulky. The sound quality was definitely no better. Uh, just there was uh, there was no reason to to swap over so cool uh the company that i've used most in 2019 is one that isn't in the my wall street app but it's one that the three of us here have kind of argued over a lot over the past few months which is spotify mm. so this kind of really hit home to me so as any spotify users will know um at the end of every year spotify sends you a wrap-up of the year kind of your your listening patterns and, and all that data from the past year and and kind of when it when you're sent that, you realize how much of your life re- revolves around this one app, this one product. So personally, I listen to about 12,000 minutes of music, uh, which is about eight entire days worth. But one of our colleagues here, Megan, <laughs> we actually had to verify this because I know Rory, me and you really didn't believe her about this. She had listened to 67,000 minutes worth of music. <laughs> in the last year, which equates to over 46 days worth. That's all Taylor Swift, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's all Taylor Swift. She'll be delighted to know that I, we're recognising that as... I actually broke out an Excel spreadsheet <laughs> to, to, to measure uh, her spend on music, or how much time she spent on music. So yeah, she said 66.9 thousand minutes, which is 13% of the time she was alive this year. <laughs> And it's 19% of her waking hours. <laughs> That's insane. That means Fifth. one out of five times she's awake, she's listening to music on Spotify. There, there. Megan, so. uh, please tell us that they've sent you a Christmas hamper <laughs> or something. You deserve it. <laughs> I or maybe you're it. to a loss leader. Maybe they, they want you off the network. But, but overuse. Just, just to get back to Spotify, like personally, 
you know, out of all the things I subscribe to, Spotify would be the very last one I would cancel. You know, I, I, I Netflix would go out the door definitely before Spotify, anything else. But, but there's a substitute product, sorry to cut you, but there's a substitute product in Apple Music yeah. where the equivalent doesn't exist for Netflix. So if you want to hear mm. Queen's back catalogue, you'll get it on both Apple and you'll get it on Spotify. Well, therein lies the, the reason probably why it's not in the My Wall Street app. And Rory, I know you wrote a, an insight about this uh, um, a few weeks ago mm. about, you know, for such a great company. And, and like, I also think Spotify have a great brand as a company too. I just like a lot about them. I personally wouldn't move to Apple Music unless, you know, Spotify ceased to exist anymore. But it's just, there, there's so many, you know, their overheads in terms of music royalties and stuff are so high, but also uncontrollable. Um, yeah. The competitor in Apple Music, obviously too, and Rory, you pointed out that with your um, AirPods that you can't set Spotify as a default. You can't set them as a default. You have to say the name and track you want followed by on Spotify or Siri will uh, default you to Apple Music and just say, oh, we can't find that music in your playlist, which yeah. is, you know, just really annoying. It is, Google yeah. Assistant and Alexa have had um, the capability to make Spotify or defaults music for years now, mm. and both of them mm. have their own streaming services. So Didn't we have a debate about this on a on the podcast or is it an imagination yeah, about a year it came or two. It, was, it was back yeah. in February or March oh, Spotify yeah, it was Apple, yeah, that's Apple, right. yeah because yeah. of their app store fees but also things like that where, where Apple quite restrict them on their, yeah. their connected devices so look we we always kind of say here you buy what you believe and you buy what you mm. use Spotify is probably the biggest example of of where I haven't invested in the company yet and we kind of haven't recommended the company yet even though so many of us in the office use it but I think it's one we're going to keep an eye on. It's um, the stock I most worry that we're missing something on. Yeah. Because yeah. it was on the front cover of Fortune magazine there last month as on their Fast 50 or the Big 50 to watch for the year ahead, which a list that historically has done extremely well. It's very predictive and we read it and we make sure we're on top of all the companies. And I took some time out to absorb what the analyst in Fortune was saying and overlay our own thinking on it. And, and I just... I can't divorce myself from the fact that there is a perfectly uh, capable substitute product. Yeah. It's a UI play plus some other stuff. But I am worried we're missing something there. But uh, I'm sure we'll get there eventually. I feel like that means <laughs> if they could ever, if they could ever grab a niche for themselves, or not even a niche, but their own thing, and it might be. This moving to podcasts, I think, could be the sign of something that they are going to try and own yeah. the audio advertising space. Yeah, yeah this yeah, is yeah. true. Um, and if they can, if they can grab that, they'll be a huge company. Plus, um, moving into Live Nation's field, mm. ticket booking and distribution. Yeah. yeah. Did yeah. you tell me, James? That yeah. Well, you, book you definitely do as a premium subscriber to Spotify. You get um, emails with like pre-sale tickets to to gigs and concerts in there, specifically of artists you listen to quite a lot, which I really liked. I think it's a really cool feature. Um, especially for like smaller artists, which you you might never even hear they're playing. But um, yeah, look, I think Spotify, I think we all agree it's going to be on our, our list for another while to keep an eye on. Um, let's move on then to our big prediction for 2020. Um, I gave you two options in this. I said you could give your prediction for the next year or the next decade, seeing as we're going into a new one. But uh, just to remind you of your last year's predictions, Rory, you said that we'd be seeing a lot more from Amazon's advertising business in 2019. How do you feel that went? I'm going to call that a victory. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. the, I mean, it's it, they're definitely um, talking about an awful lot more. They're the third biggest digital advertiser in the US at the moment after... Uh, 
Google and Facebook. Uh, Facebook. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll pat myself on the back for that one. No mm, one else well around here. Oh, mm. no. What did, <laughs> what did I say? Um, you, you said this year would be the year that VR headsets kind of hit mass market. You said it would be the year you would try a VR headset. Oh, yeah. Can we edit that out? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, mm. 12 months later, what's your prediction for... I'll give you, I'll let you choose if you want to pick for the next year or the next decade. At least you'll have 10 years <laughs> for it to come through. Well, okay, being as I really knocked the ball out of the park with the VR headsets, I'm going to low ball at this time and go for something a little bit safer as a prediction. And it's it's comes back to me standing in Manhattan in the first week of November, having just done the in-person event over there and I was on the market to buy some toys. And for anyone who's been on the island of Manhattan seeking toys, they are hard to find. Mm. So with the closure of Toys R Us and and other toy stores, there's very few toy shops left in Manhattan. So I found one and JT, my co-founder and I were standing in there and I ended up chatting with the owner and it was a nice family-run toy shop down a side street and I said to him, how has Amazon hurt your business? And he said, it's destroyed it. It's only a matter of time. And it was very real because I thought like toy shops are an important part of the retail landscape. And on an island as big and as vast as Manhattan, you would think there's loads if you go into Google Maps and look for toy shops in there's only in Manhattan. that at Rockefeller Square. Is there's the Schwartz a few. One. No, yeah. FAO Schwartz yeah. is gone. No, it's not. It's back open. You were over there recently. <laughs> yeah. So, oh yeah, they're resurrected. Yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Stand corrected. So, um, my prediction for 2020 is like I, I, I always far prefer to predict an optimistic future, but on this count, considering I totally nailed it with the headsets for your health, <laughs> I think that we're going to see the Amazon effect cut. Uh, some very big retail brands out of our out of existence wow, in okay. twelve months ahead, and I'm talking mega brands like Macy's or Pier One, and they are struggling. And yeah. uh, even I looked through Macy's last quarter's results to see if this prediction is founded in a trend. And you know the 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 Macy's team believe they're doing everything right, but the whole strategy in malls is. Mm is a flaw because the footfall in malls is going down. So I think that we are going to see quite a few big, giant retail brands close thanks to Amazon. Okay. And it all began with a a chat with a small uh, shop owner in Manhattan giving an honest appraisal of how much Amazon has destroyed his business. Cool. Rory, your big prediction. Uh, Yeah, I'll go for a rather bold one here. Um... I'm going to be totally honest, this could go in the absolute opposite direction. I'll be eating crow pie this time next year. But here it goes. Uh, 2017 was the year of Bitcoin mania. 2018 was the year of marijuana mania. 2019 was the year of plant-based meat mania. Um, So back in July, I wrote a piece about Beyond Meat and how I said that it was a great company and that there was lots of environmentally positive impacts from from plant-based meat, but that it was ludicrously overvalued. Uh, and the stock prices fall about seventy percent since that article. So I'm going to double down and say I think it's actually going to be cut in half again. Wow! I think it hasn't come anywhere mm. near reaching a bottom. And like I said, I think it's a great company. I think it's got a very strong brand, and I think plant-based alternatives are going to be a really big part of the future. But I think people have really misunderstood the competitive environment that Beyond Meat has got themselves into. Uh, there's an awful lot of business making plant-based meat alternatives, not just talking about the disruptive startups like Impossible Food and beyond, but like 
big companies like Nestle, Tyson, Kellogg, Hormel, uh, Conagra are all getting into this space. There's very little defensiveness that, that, that Beyond Meat has in that space except for its brand. But like I said, these companies are going to be able to replicate that product and create their own strong brands. So, yeah, I think it's it's going to be uh, beyond plant-based meat will be a big part of the future. I just don't think that beyond mm. is going... I th- they'll survive, sure, but I don't think they're worth the mm. four or five billion that they're okay. still currently yeah. valued at. Cool. Have we, we've all we've all eaten a Beyond Meat burger. Yeah. Uh, so at a personal level, I think we had this chat before, but where do you see yourself as a consumer of meat in the year ahead? Will it be same amount, less or more? The thing is, I don't eat that many burgers. I don't eat them at home. I stand by what I said when we first had them, which was that it was great. I thought I was like really impressed with it. I loved the texture and the taste of it. But I'm never going to order one again mm. because when I go somewhere for a burger, I want to see what they've got on display. You know, yeah. like that's yeah. the whole point of eating out is to try yeah. new things. Would I have one at home? I wouldn't really cook burgers at home. Mm. If they had, I mean, I'll happily try out their mincemeat and use it for things like chili and spaghetti bolognese and stuff like that where you're not really, you know, the meat isn't the main yeah, thing. It's, it's you know, you know your base, it's stuff, the spices yeah. and everything like that. Yeah. But I think it's kind of one of those things. I think the massive growth they've had is a little bit of people just trying it out, wanting, mm. to, wanting to see what all the hype was about. Yeah. And that's going to slow down a lot next year. Yeah, yeah, I'd be similar. Like, I have kind of actively been trying not to eat as much meat for, for many reasons. But like, in Ireland especially, it just comes down to convenience. Like, it's more convenient when you go home to make something with meat or chicken mm. or, or beef or whatever it is, rather than to, to go to a, a supermarket sometimes and buy these frozen kind of, Mm. And like it, it, I, know, I know we had this conversation before about like you know the criticisms of Beyond Meat have been that it's it's super processed food and yeah I know processed doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing but sometimes you do feel that I feel with some meat alternatives like it's coming in a frozen box it doesn't feel fresh and yeah it's, it, it's like you know this doesn't feel much healthier than mm. than, than actual beef mm. Roy what was the name of Nestle's um, <laughs> Beyond Meat so, sorry, <laughs> Meat name. Alternative Incognito <laughs> what a horrendous thing. that is uh, that's wrong I do have to say like one of the I think one of the blind spots here and maybe like this might just be my own personal thing but you know you can cut down on eating meat without plant-based alternatives. True. There's yeah, things called right. vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> like, and the, you've been around for thousands, millions of years. So you're so. bullish. You're bullish on vegetables. <laughs> Not necessarily bullish on vegetables, but just like some of the some of the writing about Beyond yeah. Meat stuff was like, you know, this is all anyone's going to eat in yeah, ten yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, this is true. You know, one of the things that struck me about Beyond Meat is that if you're trying, I can understand in order to gain. Uh, mind space occupancy the name of the business Beyond Meat kind of tells you what it does but I think in the longer term I don't think you want the word meat in there if you're trying to eradicate the consumption of meat I think you're almost like if it's like saying Beyond Cigarettes if there was you know a business it's very long term name I don't think fits a small part I might be just way off target there yeah. but it's funny enough there is um, there's a number of kind of pending lawsuits in the states over companies claiming that they shouldn't be allowed to use the word meat or sausage uh, in their um, in their name uh-huh. really yeah right so there are 
two big predictions for 2020. And that's about it from this week's and this year's Stock Club. Um, thanks for joining us all year. And don't forget that there's still loads of great new stuff coming into the My Wall Street app over the next few weeks and as we go into the next year. Um, if there's anything you want us to discuss or explain on the next episode of Stock Club, please make sure to get in touch on Twitter. That's at MyWallStreetHQ or email us at pod at MyWallStreet.com. That's P-O-D at MyWallStreet.com. Don't forget to subscribe to Stock Club too. And if you're enjoying it, please leave us a review on whatever way you listen to your podcasts. From all of us here, thanks for listening for the past year. Have a happy holidays and a happy new year. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.